What's up, church? We doing all right this morning? Hope you're doing well. Welcome to uh, Connection Church. Uh, if this is your first time here, just want to say a special welcome to you. My name is Blake, so I get the privilege to serve here as student pastor, and, and that is a privilege to do so. And, and I get the privilege to serve you this morning uh, through teaching God's Word. I'm excited. Oh, we're back in Acts. So if you have your copy of God's Word, it's going to be Acts 15. Uh, you can go ahead and turn there. Now, and we're going to spend the remaining of the year uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, anybody ready for Thanksgiving? Anybody ready? Uh, give me the fried chicken, all right? Where's the fried chicken at? I told uh, the 9 a.m., y'all can keep the turkey. Uh, I'm a chicken guy, so excited about that. Hope y'all have a good Thanksgiving this week. Uh, I want to pray for us real quick, and then we'll jump in and see what God has for us. So let's pray. Father, we love you. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. And God, we thank you for the gospel, God, the good news that you so loved the world that you gave your only son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God, we thank you that that's good news that saves us, but not only saves us, God, it shapes our whole entire life. God, we never move past that. So this morning, uh, God, I pray that you would just remind us, God, of the gospel and that we'd be a, a church, God, that, that makes life decisions based out of the gospel. And we want to see your mission go forward. And we love you so much. And we thank you for your son. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, in October, first week in October, uh, I made the wise decision that I want to start eating healthy. Okay, this is not a weight issue. Uh, this is a health issue. We're just really bad eaters at my house. It's one extreme to the other, right? And it's just Big Macs every day, all right? Whatever's easy, that's just what we do, and that's how it's always been. And, and I don't want to wake up 40 and 50 years old and just continue just, man, eating bad, eating bad, eating bad. So I said, I've had enough. I'm going to start eating healthy. I'm going to start cooking at the house, and uh, we're going to save some money, and we're gonna, it's going to be a win win. And I've been killing it. Uh, just to let you know, been doing great. Hadn't had uh, any setbacks, any problems whatsoever uh, besides one. Uh, she goes by the name of Brandy. Um, this is my view of eating healthy. This is Brandy's view of eating healthy. That is sugar cookies. Uh, as you notice, six are gone. Where did they go, you ask? In my stomach, all right? Because you can't eat uh, just one. She makes it hard to stick to the truth. Uh, she's making it hard uh, for me to continue on this walk I've started. We find ourselves in the book of Acts chapter 15, and there is some Jewish Christians making it hard. From, for Gentile believers. And they're telling them that they have to not, not only put faith in Christ, but also be circumcised to be saved. You need Jesus plus something else, and that's not true. So just to set the context up, nerd moment, just one minute real quick. Uh, here's where we find ourselves. The church is young, not even over 20 years old. There's two different ethnic groups trying to come together as one church, trying to figure this thing out. And you have the Jews, which is God's chosen people, and God's been grooming them for years 
to be a nation that a Savior is going to come from. So he gives them the moral laws, Ten Commandments. He gives them uh, ceremonial laws. you got to wash your hands so many times a day. you got to eat certain foods. No Papa Bucks for them, all right? No J&Bs, medium rare steak for them. Uh, they have to go through all these things, and it's setting them apart from the rest of the world and reminding them that a Savior is going to come. So for a Gentile, they didn't have this. So for a Gentile to follow God, to know God, to worship God, they had to come into the Jewish culture and be like a Jew and submit to their laws and all these things. But now Christ has came. Now we have the reality of Jesus. He's came and he fulfilled the law and the ceremonial laws don't stand no more. Where's the bacon at? You know what I mean? We're free in Christ, but these, these Jewish people keep drifting back, drifting, drifting back. They're young, like two young married couples coming together for the first time. How's this work? And there's two issues. Salvation issue, is it Christ alone, through faith alone, through grace alone? And if that's true, it's a socialation issue, a social issue. How are we going to get together and eat? How are we going to be united because, man, y'all eat things that we don't like that defile us. So they're trying to figure this thing out. Verse 1, Acts 15, verse 1, it says this. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch, and they were teaching the believers, unless you're circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. In other words, Jesus ain't enough. You need Jesus and this. And this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. Now, I don't know if hands were thrown, but words were said, okay? And so Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and the elders about this question. And the church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. And this news made all the believers very glad. And when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done to them. So Paul and Barnabas heard these, these Jewish Christians saying, you got to be uh, circumcised as well. And Paul and Barnabas were like, nah, no, 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 that ain't how this thing works. Call the boys, let's get together. We're going to have a meeting and we're going to talk about this because when there's problems, you do what? You call a meeting. They go to Jerusalem and now here we are. We enter into this room, this meeting where all the big shots are. Peter's in the room. Paul and Barnabas are in the room. And the brother of James, he's in the room. And when we open our Bibles, now God is letting us come into the room. When you read the Bible, put yourself in it. Feel it. See it. Smell the text. And we open up our Bibles, and here's the discussion at hand. Verse 5. And some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up. They stood up. And they said, the Gentiles must be circumcised. And required to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and elders met to consider this question. What question? Do you have to do anything other than faith alone in Christ alone to be saved? 
That's the question. And if they don't, if it's faith alone, how are we going to work together and, and socialize together? So then who stands up? Peter stands up. He, got, he grabs his bat first. He steps up to the plate. Here's what Peter said. After much discussion, Peter got up and he addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he has said to them by giving them the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. And here's the answer. Here's the answer. He did not discriminate between us and them. He purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have even been able to bear? No, we believe it's through the grace of God, our Lord Jesus, that we are saved just as they are. Peter says, they ain't got to step in our direction. We got to step in their direction. So here's what, here's what he says. Here's what Peter says. One, he says, I went to Cornelius' house. I've been there. God, God gave me that vision. He said, Peter, don't call and clean what I'm making clean. You go to Cornelius' house. And, and, and Peter went to Gentile's house. And he preached the gospel. And Cornelius and his family was saved. He didn't get circumcised. He didn't get Papa Bucks out the fridge. He didn't take the bacon out the stove. None of that. And God saved him and he was baptized them and their family. And Peter says, I've seen this happen. They don't need to be circumcised. God saved them and gave them his spirit. And then two, Peter says, we suck at this. We ain't been able to keep the law. We're trying to get them to do something to be saved that, that we can't even do. See, the law's not bad. It's just incomplete without Christ. It's not bad. The law is good. So just, just to clean, clear the air, everybody raise your hand real quick. If you can't raise it high, just do that little sidearm right there. All right, there you go, yeah. All right. Thou shalt not lie. If you've never told a lie, a white lie in your entire life, keep your hand raised. Yep. Now look around, look around. Look, that didn't last long, but the law ain't bad because don't nobody like a liar, but it's incomplete because we're all liars, right? So it's a good sign that points to a Savior, but it is not our Savior. I want you to write this down. Point number one, the gospel is what sets us free. The gospel is what sets us free. The default of the human heart is self-works righteousness, self-baked right righteousness. We're very good at trying to be good. We're very good at trying to do this thing ourselves because in us is selfishness. But it's not about what we can do. It's about what he's done. I remember uh, before I got saved, I was very good at trying to be good. Very good at being religious. I was going to go to church. I was going to read my Bible. I was going to pray. I was going to do everything right. And then I messed up. I'm like, God, I ain't never going to do that again. I, ain't, I promise, I promise I ain't going to do that again. About four days later, what happened? Bam, I done done that again, right? And finally, finally I heard the gospel and I understood it's not about my performance. It's about heart transformation. And I surrendered my life to Jesus and he's done inside of me what I could not do outside of myself. 
and that brought freedom to my life. So now I'm free. But what happened is I went from religiosity, got freed, my eyes are on Christ, what he's done, how great he is, what he's done for me. And then I stepped right back into religiosity and I went through what I call cage stage, right? Or I became the church police. I was like Stone Cold Steve Austin spiritually, right? I just Stone Cold stunning folks. You ain't read your Bible this week? Pow, pow. You ain't been praying this week? Just pow, pow. You ain't been to, to men's Bible study in a week? Get that out of here, right? I just, my, my eyes are on self. And when eyes are on self, you elevate self. They're not on Christ. Now you're judgmental. I became a crusty Christian. Anybody ever met a crusty Christian? Just ain't got no joy, just mad all the time. Ain't got no joy because your eyes are on yourself. And you forgot. See, the gospel ain't just what saves us. It's what shapes us. The 20-year-old, the 20-year Christian right now needs the gospel in his life today just as much as the lost person in this seat. The problem with religion is it takes our eyes off ourself and it takes our eyes off Christ and puts them on ourself. And this produces three things in your life that God does not give you. Pride, fear, and wearisome. Because God doesn't give a spirit of pride, but a spirit of humility. He does not give you a spirit of fear, but of humility and, and of boldness and confidence. And he does not uh, bring wearisome to your life, but it says, come to me and I'll give you rest. But it produces pride because look, now eyes are on me and what I'm doing and what I can do. And when you elevate self, then you're looking down on others. It produces fear because now your acceptance isn't in what Christ has done for you. Now your acceptance is what you're doing. And you think that God's love for you is based on what you're doing. So now you're trying to earn his acceptance. And my friends, listen, that leads, leads to weariness. That's exhausting to try to just do all the rules. Ain't nobody got time for that. If you drive by my house uh, past about 4 or 5 o'clock any day of the week, uh, you just see me out in the driveway just, just slam jamming, baby. I got a basketball goal out there, and I'm, I can do hook shots, 360s between the legs. Uh, I can do it all. So if you drive by, you just see me out there just dunking on folks. And who am I dunking on? Nobody, because it's just me out there. But a boy's dreaming, right? Just, just living the NBA dream. And some of my friends, they see me. And they laugh about it because they're like, man, you're acting like you're 12, right? You're just out there. You're about to be 30. But, but I'm out there, and, and a lot of people know this, but some don't. They're, they're like, man, that dude's out there dunking. That boy's got hops. But they don't know I got it set on 7 foot. It ain't set on 10 foot. And I, I ain't saying all white men can't jump. I'm saying I can't, right? So what I do, I lower the standard down. But what if I look at my 4-year-old and I'm like, hey, you got to dunk this. He, he can't. He can't. And you, you step up to God's laws and doing good, you are not good. So you can't. So you're looking up a mountain that you can't climb. Our God comes down the mountain and carries you up the mountain. And your righteousness is not based on what you do or earn or your sadness. It's what he's done for you. You ought to give him some praise for it. But this, this religiosity and this law, and this, you get in this trap, 
And now you got this fake facade because the inside does not match your outside. Like fake Christmas trees. You could decorate them up, but there ain't no life. Anybody use the fake Christmas trees in here? Be honest. Praise the Lord. I tried to use a real one about two years ago. That thing died in two weeks. No one told me you had to water that thing. I, I barely remember to water my dog. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to, to make it. But we try to clean up ourselves, cover ourselves. This ain't the first time. Adam and Eve did it in the garden before, before Genesis even ends. They ran from God and they sowed fig leaves and tried to cover themselves. Then God walks up and says, no. He says, I'll, I'll cover you. He sacrifices and he closed them with a sacrifice. That points us to Christ and we ain't even out of Genesis yet. It's not about what you do. It's about what he's done. That's the power of the gospel because the power of the gospel takes your eyes, gets them off yourself, and places them on Christ. See, when they were circumcised, it's a physical mark, a physical mark with a knife that points, it's a sign that points to a future Savior. And anytime you read in the New Testament, you see Paul said, we're circumcising our hearts. We're circumcising our hearts. We are the circumcision. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Because when Jesus went on the cross, he went under the knife for you and for me. He was circumcised. The gospel says, it is finished. What is finished? All the wrath of God, every bit of it, every single drop of his wrath poured out on his son for you and for me. And he looks down and says, go free. That's freedom. And that's what the power of the gospel is. It places our eyes on Christ. See, listen, this produces thankfulness. And we're so thankful for what he's done. This produces humility. This produces acceptance. Our love, his love for us isn't about our works and our love for him. He loved us while we were dead in our sins. This produces confidence. This produces freedom. This produces us loving him. This produces us wanting to know more about him and wanting to follow him. This changes our life. Listen to me. Get your eyes off yourself. Get them off yourself and what you're going through and get them on the cross. Get them on Christ. You say, well, Blake, I just can't do it. No, you can't. Well, Blake, I'm just not, I'm an awful person. Yes, you are an awful person. Blake, and some of you say, well, I don't know what you're talking about, Blake. I'm killing it. I'm reading the Bible every day. I'm cultivating my marriage uh, with the gospel. I'm just pouring it into my kids. Man, I, I'm going to connect group. I'm even serving in Orange and kids. I ain't called and canceled. I'm doing it all. I'm awesome. Well, listen to me. You just keep living. You just keep living because I'm telling you, listen, pride goes before a fall. And it's not about you. Everything you do, all of it is a response of the gospel. That's why we never move past it. We grow deeper into it. Peter said, it's by faith. And Peter said, we can't even do this. How are you going to ask them to do something you can't even do? And then he drops his bat. He steps off. Now Paul and, and Barnabas, verse 12. The whole assembly became silent. And they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and the wonders that God had done among the Gentiles through them. Now Paul and Barnabas are saying, yep, our boys Peter's right. 
Because we've seen the same thing. We're planting churches. God's saving Gentiles. He's giving them his spirit. He's using Gentiles to lead other people to the Lord. The church is getting built up and flourishing. They hadn't had circumcision. They hadn't come up under these ceremonial laws. God, it's not about coming into a Jewish nation no more. Now we're taking this thing to the nations. And God is working, and that's what Paul says. And then all of a sudden in verse 13, now James, he grabs his bat, and he's coming to the plate. And when they finished, James spoke up. He said, brothers, listen to me. And when James says, listen to me, you listen. Because that's that's Jesus' brother. What would it take to convince your brother you're the Savior of the world? You know what I mean? Because Jesus, he's, he's a gentleman. He's humble. He ain't never flexed on nobody. So like when they're in the pond or in the pool or whatever they had to lake, like Jesus wasn't just out there walking on water, right, just flexing in front of James. Like he ain't do that. He ain't do that. But what did what, what he do? He's like, hey, James, by the way, James, I'm the Savior of the world. You're going to have to put your faith in me. James like, yeah, I bet, right? And then a resurrection happened. Now James like, oh. And now he's a big shot in the church because a resurrection, a real resurrection, a real hope, a real gospel. And he says this, 14, Simon, which means Peter, James speaking, Peter has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it's written. James says, what Peter's saying is true. What Paul's saying is true. You know how I know it's true? I'm going to grab what they're saying. I'm going to bring it over here to Scripture. And this is what Scripture says. This has always been God's plan. And he goes straight to the truth. Jesus went to the truth in the wilderness against the Satan, against the devil. Now his brother Jesus is going to the truth. And he says this, The word of the prophets are in agreement with this as it's written. After this I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. Its ruins I will rebuild, and I will restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago. He says, this goes back to Abraham. I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. He said, this has always been God's plan. Now Christ has come and it's being fulfilled right in front of us. In verse 19, here's what James says. Therefore, it's my judgment that we should, if you got a highlighter or you want to underline, if you tattoo your Bible up, whatever, this is where you need to do it. We should not... Make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Everybody in here is a Gentile. We shouldn't make it hard for people that are turning to Jesus. He says, I don't want to be a stumbling block. Instead, we should write them and tell them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from meat of strangled animals and from blood. For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and is read in the synagogues on the Sabbath. Here's what just happened. We're going to write a letter to the Gentiles that they don't have to be circumcised. It's faith alone in Christ alone. They don't have to come up under the law. 
However, here's a few laws we'd like you to keep. What in the world is that about? Here's what it's about. When they say we want them to abstain from food, from idols, listen, it's not a salvation issue. It's a social issue. They, they're saying this, don't be a stumbling block for these Jews. You're free in Christ. You're free to eat your steak medium rare. Go get that Papa Bucks. But when the Jewish Christians come over, get the bacon out of the house, right? Be respectful. Listen, community, sacrifice for each other, give and take. That's what a marriage is like. And there's this covenant faith, and that's what he's talking about. Second thing I want you to write down is this. The gospel is what we live life out of. It's through the gospel that we find eternal life. It's through the gospel we live life in the present. The gospel saves us. The gospel is what shapes us. We never move past the gospel. It drives everything we do. We should make gospel decisions. What did they do? They came together in community and they went to the scriptures and they made decisions based on other people's flourishing in Jesus. So we have to, listen, we have to learn to stand on the truth of Scripture. Man, I love this. I love this. James took Peter's experiences and Paul's experiences, and he grabbed it and filtered it through the Word of God and said, this is true because this is what God's Word says. And they ran to Scripture. Listen to me. I don't care what kind of dream you have. I don't care how you feel a type of way about something. I don't care what anybody's opinion is. What does thus say the Lord? I don't care if an angel shows up at your house and says something contrary to the word of God. If it's contrary, it's a lie. We have to stand on God's word. So listen to me. Where is God's word at in your life? What is your view of God's word? Because listen, either God's word is true, all of it, or it's not. And it's either all authoritative in your life, or it's not. Or it's either what you're building your life on, or it's not. It's how you know what to do, where to go, what's wrong, who's right. It's how you can connect your dreams and visions and everything you think you have from the Lord. And you open it up, and if it's contrary, close the book and say it ain't from God. Amen? So they ran to Scripture. Listen, they didn't add their opinion to God's Word, and they didn't take anything from God's Word. But they stood firm on what was true. And I see both problems in the church today. People want to add their opinion. You want to build the bylaws of your church and say, well, this is where we're going to stand. If it ain't on God's Word, that's your opinion. You can't make law what ain't law. You can't tell somebody they can't do something if God's word doesn't say they can't do something. But you can't take from God's word. And a lot of us in here, when it comes to scripture, it's not here in our life. And what we say is, well, only God can judge me. He is. It's going to happen. He will judge you. Don't forget it. And they, they listen, they, they, they centered around gospel, covenant, community. Covenant relationships are sacrificial, not selfish. Like a marriage, when you stand up together, you say, baby, for good or for worse, 
In other words, this thing might go horrible, but I'm staying. I'm here. It's not based on me. It's based on you. I don't want to be a stumbling block in your life. I want to be a stepping stone in your life. And that's what covenant community looks like. Look around the room. That's what this is supposed to be. We're from other people's good. We don't want to be a stumbling block from Jesus. We want to be a stepping stone to Jesus. So we make gospel decisions in our life. There is a married a couple getting married, and both of them love the Lord dearly. All their heart, all their soul, they love it. Both of them have a background where, where a glass of wine at the supper table was normal. They never seen daddy and mama abuse alcohol. They've never had that problem. It's nothing to them. And they, they, they come to the wedding day and they had to make a decision. Uh, should we serve alcohol at the reception or not? And they are, you listen to me good, they are free in their freedom in Christ. There is nothing in this book holistically that will say that they cannot do that. They are free. They don't fall into drunkenness. They don't have that issue. They're free to drink some wine together, drink a glass, praise God, give Him the glory, and it's fine. But here's what happens. You know what they do? We got some family members. They don't know that. They don't know how to drink to the glory of God. They don't know how to do nothing to the glory of God because they don't know God. And they got friends that, 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 that get drunk and have stomachs. So you know what they did? They, they laid down their freedoms for the good of others. And they said, we're not going to serve that here because we don't want to be a stumbling block. We want people to look at our marriage for the first time and see Jesus. They thought gospel decisions. So maybe you're here and maybe, maybe you don't have that issue. Maybe you've got brought up where a glass of wine at the supper table is normal. You've never seen it abused. You don't have addictive personality. You're free in Christ. Maybe you like a craft beer with your steak. And it's one and done. It's like a cup of coffee. You're done. Maybe that's you. But listen, what if your brother and sister, one drink turns into two. That turns into three. And now they're taking tequila shots singing Jimmy Buffett at five o'clock somewhere. Do you still put the bottle out? Or do you not? Do you bring politics up? Or do you not? What's the stone? Do you even think about it? So what's going to happen around the Christmas tree this year? What's going to happen, listen, in the connect groups or maybe the Thanksgiving table when the family's over? What kind of activities are going to be taking place? What conversations are you going to have? When you're eating that meal, do you think about the teenage eyes across the room? I ain't saying you ain't free. I'm just saying do you think about the gospel? You say, well, I don't care what people think. Well, you should because, listen to me, you might be free in Christ, but you're a slave to him now. And any stumbling block for the gospel and people coming to him, he ain't okay with. Amen? So they listened. They didn't want to make it hard for Gentiles turning to Jesus. How do we make it hard? Or do we make gospel decisions with our life? Is it shaping everything we do? How do we make it hard? There's many ways. I'll give you five. One is religious preaching instead of gospel preaching. We're good at focusing on the fruits and not focusing on the roots. So we'll preach religion instead of gospel. 
So we'll say things like, you better stop cussing. I had a guy in my connect group not that long ago. He had just been saved. He ain't been saved long. And he was, we were going around the room sharing testimonies. And it got to him. He said, man, he said, praise the Lord. God's met me where I was. He saved me. He's took addiction out of my life. He's given me a new heart. I'm reading my Bible. He's brought me to freedom. He said, I'm telling you right now, it feels good. I just D-A-M-N, just it feels good. I was like, thank you, just praise the Lord with a cuss word. <laughs> he don't know. He don't know. But you teach people, if they just stop cussing, they're a Christian. No. Or we teach things like, man, you better stop smoking. And I don't know if you can smoke in Newport to the glory of God. It's debatable. I don't think you can. But throwing the cigarettes down ain't never saved anybody spiritually, maybe physically. Or we just say, hey man, you better stop drinking. You can't drink. Drunkenness is a sin. It is. No one's arguing that. And I've never met anybody who loves God faithfully and dearly that wants to fall into that mess. But you know, there was never any social events in the Bible where people drink, like a wedding in John 2 that Jesus pretty much bartended. Well, it was Welch's great No. So you can't make law, it ain't law. But you better, you better have the gospel up here in your life. And you better stand on what is, what is true and, and flee from what's not. And that's exactly what we do. We, we religious preacher, we teach behavior modification. You got to read this Bible plan. You better join that connect group because that's where real life change happens. And life change does happen there, but real life change starts with Jesus. And we start giving these, these steps of what people think being a Christian is. And you can do all these steps and not be a Christian and not love Jesus. Or we ask people to conform to our traditions and preferences. We say things like this, if it ain't KJV, it ain't Bible. Where's that at? How about we teach people to read the Bible? Or we say things like, man, listen, uh, homeschool's the only Christian way. Or if you... you you can't be a Democrat and love Jesus. But I know Jesus wasn't white and he wasn't a conservative. So we focus on fruits instead of the roots. Or maybe it's two. Maybe we don't disciple and we expect people to grow alone. I, I love these old saints. I love the old time saints. I love they've paved the way. If it wasn't for older Christians in my life, I wouldn't be where I'm at now. There used to be a saying that used to, man, get on my nerves. And they would say, man, this, this young generation don't love Jesus like the old generation does. This, old, this younger generation, that old-time religion is the best religion. This younger generation don't love Jesus. Let me tell you something. I don't believe at all that younger people woke up and didn't love Jesus. Maybe if we made disciples, we wouldn't be in that place that we're at. 
So maybe we need to stop worrying about our generation. Maybe we need to focus on reaching the next generation. I woke up a couple weeks ago, and my, my little boy, we're getting ready for school. And you know how parents are when you're in a rush for school. You love to act Christ-like. Uh, in those, those heated moments. And I was in there and he was trying to tie shoes. He's seven years old. He couldn't tie shoes. I said, son, what are you for? And I lost patience. And then the Lord spoke to me clearly. You've only told him once or twice. Maybe if you was more consistent and showed him how, he'd know how. And I think that's what we do. We grow impatient with people, and we want to point them out. But it's up to us to disciple people and pour into their life. How does a generation wake up not know the Lord? I will tell you how. One generation believes the gospel. The next generation assumes the gospel. The following generation does not know the gospel. Or maybe it's three. We don't go to them. We expect them to come to us. We expect people to come to church instead of being the church in the world. Or maybe it's four. We grow hard-hearted towards people God's called us to reach. And we're very good at pointing out the problems instead of coming along and trying to help the problems. So Christians, if you hadn't noticed, we're very good on what I call going on strikes. We'll just, we'll just go on. We'll go on strikes. We'll, we'll, say, we'll, we'll go at war against Starbucks. Two years ago, I had a friend say, I ain't drinking Starbucks no more. Uh, well, why not? Well, they took Christmas off their cups. Well, I didn't know there was a Christian-based company. I didn't know they had to put Christmas on their cups. Well, how about you take your Bible in there and be a light and start Starbucks? Or we'll say things like, I ain't watching the NFL no more. I've had enough of it. And God ain't called you to agree with everybody, but he has called you to come alongside people and fix problems. So I'm going to grab my remote control and I'm going to turn that TV off. Because that's going to help the racial reconciliation problem in our country. Or we'll say things, we'll go to war against Nike. Or now Chick-fil-A's made the headlines. We're very good at pointing out problems, but we're not very good about being a solution to it. Or maybe it's five. We just live in hypocrisy. We'll just live like hell and expect people to see Christ. They didn't want to make it hard for the Gentiles turning to Jesus. So here's what they did. They wrote a letter, verse 24. They sent that text message right here. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we're writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you. Religion's burdensome. Christ is free. We're not going to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. Abstain from food sacrificed by idols. Think about your brothers and sisters from blood and from the meat of strangled animals and from sexual immorality. You'll do well to avoid these things. Farewell. So the men were sent off and they went down to Antioch and they were gathered the church together and they delivered the letter. And this is where it gets good. Verse 31, the people read the letter. They were reminded of the true gospel, the truth. And here's what happens. They, they were glad for its encouraging message. They set their eyes back on Christ, back on the true gospel, and they found freedom and rejoiced in the Gentile church flourished. We know it did because here we are. We're here today. 
because of it. Three, we never move past the gospel. Our hearts are prone to wonder. But the gospel isn't just where we find freedom, it's where we stay free. We never move past the gospel. We grow deeper into the gospel. Uh, when one of my anniversaries with Brandy, a few years back, I got this bright idea. I got a romantic streak in me, and I was like, man, I'm going to show you a girl that I love her. And I, I told her I had a surprise for her, and I, I made some arrangements. I want to take her back to the first place I ever met her. And I said, I'm going to take her back. So I blindfolded her. I talked to some people. I had this picnic plan. Had the candle, candle lit. Everything was good, ready to go. And I got to where I was going to take her, and I, I took her blindfold off, and we sat down. It was the weirdest night I ever had in my life. Because <laughs> we met in someone's backyard. So I had to make arrangements, and here we are having a picnic, and we're in somebody's backyard, and I got this big surprise, and I don't tell her, and I take it off, and we're just sitting in some random, this, this backyard, and like, this is where we met, girl. <laughs> and it was weird, but listen to me, the heart behind it's not, because the heart says, I ain't going to forget. The heart says, I will always remember. We're a people that forget easy. We've got to remember the gospel. I've never moved past love with Brandy. I've grown deeper in love with Brandy. And listen to me, that's what the gospel does. We need the gospel. It changes everything. Our marriages don't look the same. Relationships don't look the same. Our purpose in parenting changes. The way we fight spiritually changes. The way we approach God changes. The way we read God's word changes. We have to fix our eyes off the gospel. Here's how I know when I try to take my eyes off the gospel. I lose my joy. I stop cultivating my relationship with Jesus and I, I don't get in his word. And that makes for a great connect group. You show up out of religion. You're just doing it because you think that's what you're supposed to be doing, but you ain't even spent time with God. You get in that room, you're ready. What's going on, Gerald? What's God been teaching you this week? Oh, you didn't have time to read? Gotcha. What about you, Ron? What's God showing you? Oh, you ain't had time either? Gotcha. Me neither. What do you want to do for the next hour and a half? We just get in religion. We get sidetracked from the mission. Or I get complacent. I just let off the gas in my relationship with God. Or, or, or listen, I start seeing other people sin before I see my own. We have to fight for the gospel. We ain't got time, so I got to hurry. I want to give you five exclusives that will change your life. I'm going to give you five things. Five things. It'll change your life. You build your life on these five things. You'll understand the gospel. You'll know how to fight for the gospel. You'll keep your eyes on the gospel. These five things. It should be behind me on the screen. Salvation and the Christian life is rooted in these five doctrines. By God's grace alone. It's a gift. You're not in the heart Awakening business. He does it. He bought it with his blood, through his son, on his cross, with his wood that he made at the creation of the world. He does it. It's on the basis of Christ alone. 
He paid a real price for real people. Christ finished it on the cross. Is the life we're living worth the price that he paid? Third, we receive through faith alone. It's a gift, not of yourselves. Through faith, it's not works. It's rest that produces works. It's putting your faith in the full weight of your body in Christ and the gospel and what he's done. And that'll change your life forever. Don't just try to be better. God didn't die for you to be a better person, but to become a new person. New. And then fourth, it it leads ultimately that God's, listen, the glory of God alone. This is God's plan. This is God's story. This is God's world. We're just stewards, stewards of everything that he gives us. He gets the glory. And five, with scripture alone is the final say. Final authority, teaching and defending this truth. I'm going to say it one more time. It doesn't matter what dream you have. It doesn't matter what vision you think God's given you. It doesn't matter how you feel about something. It doesn't matter what you've been taught growing up. I don't care what our opinion is. What does Scripture say? You say, Blake, that's arrogant. That ain't arrogant. That's confidence. Confidence that God's Word is right and His will is best for my life. And I'm going to trust in it. So let me ask you this. Where's the gospel at in your life? Where's the gospel at in your life? We have a great hope. This time of year, we got family members that's passed away. And it's an exciting time, but it can hurt. But I have a great hope. I have a great healer because, listen, by his stripes we're healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. And even though, listen, people go on, I got a great hope because I know it is by his grace on a cross and God is good. If you're here now and you're trying to be a better person, quit it and give your life to Jesus and let him change you. I'm telling you, with this many people in this room, there's people in here right now that do not know the Lord, that is not on this side of the kingdom. He says, you come to me. You give me your life. You kneel down to me. I will pick you up. I will give you rest. You'll find rivers in me flowing like living water, and you'll never thirst again. You'll never be hungry again. Give your life to Jesus. Amen? Amen? I want to pray for us. Today is the day. Today is the day you wash your sins away. Father, we love you. We thank you for your son. God, we thank you for Jesus. God, we thank you for the gospel that's living and active and that's true. God, help us to fix our eyes on you. Get them off ourselves. Christ's name I pray. Amen. Guys, love y'all. Have a great Thanksgiving. We'll see y'all back next week.